back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set for a Wednesday, April the 27th, 2022. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined once again by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter, veteran of the Alabama Beat and certainly a valuable piece to the BamaOnline.com puzzle. Charlie, we got a lot to talk about on this hump day edition of the BOL Podcast. We're going to have some roster news to sort out, both for football and men's basketball at UA. And then we'll get into some next men up possibilities for this 2022 Alabama football team, because we haven't spoken with you on the podcast since the completion of spring drills. And then we'll get into some NFL draft. You got the first round of the 2022 NFL draft set to get underway Thursday night in Las Vegas, another strong Alabama contingent. We'll view it, we'll discuss it more so today from a standpoint of potential risers and fallers because there's so much smoke, it seems like, this week as we get ready for the draft. And then maybe a potential surprise or two from the Alabama perspective for the upcoming draft. First of all, though, Charlie, welcome back to the show, my man. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, kind of the last surge of, of the year before, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm crossing my fingers here, a quiet summer and uh, getting back into another season. But it's always fun for draft week because uh, I've said it before on the podcast, you follow these guys for, you know, the, the latter part of their, their high school careers and then throughout their time in Alabama and to see them, you know, get ready for the NFL draft. It's always just kind of cool to see um, them share their stories even more and their families their reactions. So, um, you know, obviously you don't have much of a hand in, in their journeys up to this point, but you've seen it from a, a press box point of view and it's, it's cool to see their dreams come true. Yeah. And you've done an outstanding job for us there at Bama online, sort of keeping us up to speed on what the mockiverse, I guess you could say has been saying are projecting for these Alabama players and their draft hopes coming up here over the next three days. So it's been a good, good run for you in that regard. And you've certainly here in the last a little bit right there at BamaOnline.com given us a tutorial on the Alabama draft history, specifically under Nick Saban, man. And we'll get more into this later in the podcast, but every year it seems like at least a program record goes by the wayside and we'll again we'll get into that coming up in just a little bit as well first so charlie some roster news we'll start from the football side of things because here most recently uh, a guy that we really didn't get to know all that much i guess after a red shirt season in 2021 uh kane williams the latest alabama player to enter the transfer portal the safety from the new orleans area and it's a position even i guess once you get beyond jordan battle and DeMarco Ellums returning as the starters. Still some pretty good depth there, I guess, if you include some of the sub-package guys in that mix as well. Yeah, and, and I do. You know, Brian Branch and Malachi Moore, I, I consider them safeties. And so I think that Alabama's really deep at that position. Um, you know, it's later this 
probably not this week, probably after the draft, once you know the dust settles on, on that, I'm going to go back and kind of rank the position groups going into the summer. And I was just kind of thinking of it in my head and, and safety is going to be near the top of the list because of what they return and, and battle and hell almost, you know, returning starters. But then you include branch and Malachi Moore who can both play safety if need be, but are going to play, like you said, uh, more in the slot close to the line of scrimmage. But then, you know, a guy like Christian story had a really good spring. I think, uh, Devonte Smith is a young player that we've seen kind of get some, some second team minutes as well. And then Alabama is going to bring, be bringing in uh, a couple of safeties this summer in, uh, Antonio Kite and, and Jake Pope. So that's eight deep at the position. So it kind of makes sense for a, a guy kind of low on the totem pole to enter the portal. You're right though. It's, it's a pretty quick turnaround for Kane Williams, who was a, a true freshman last year. He saw his first playing time in the Georgia game in the national championship. Uh, that was his only uh, appearance of the 2021 season. But, um, and that's a position group when you just kind of survey the, the roster that made a little bit of sense for maybe someone to, to leave because Alabama's got to get down to the 85. You know, I have them at 87 right now, so that means two more guys will enter the portal. We've seen two do so since the end of spring practice with uh, Stephon Wynn, the defensive lineman, and now Kane Williams. And so uh, obviously I'm not going to speculate on, on who could be next but you, know, you can kind of just look at the roster and where alabama's got some depth and, and that's in a lot of positions so um you know hopefully he can you know find a good spot for him uh kane williams can uh, to get some some more playing time and to, to further his career but you know with one subtraction from the position alabama's still in really good shape at the safety spot during the 2022 season you mentioned when and it feels like a similar situation there when you consider interior defensive line types for this Alabama team from some of the vets that we've seen continue to emerge like a Jamil Burroughs to even a newcomer like Jaheim Otis, uh, they have stockpiled some interior guys at this point. So really it makes sense for is when a super senior at this point, is he going to be a six year guy? Is he using the COVID year? I know he's a fifth or a sixth. Um, it makes sense for him to go find a place where he can get some potential reps. Yeah, I think he will be a, a fifth-year senior. Gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, it, it feels like he's been in the program for a while now. Forever. And, yeah. <laughs> and some of these guys, you look at it, um, it's it, it feels like they've been here for a while. And, and that's probably going to be the case with these guys taking advantage of, you know, the extra year of eligibility. Uh, but, you know, you're right. I mean, Alabama has some, some good depth at that interior, uh, on the interior defensive line. You look at a guy like DJ Dale coming back, um, you know, that obviously he'll be likely the starter going into you know this season. Uh, you look at a guy like Jamil Burroughs, who Nick Saban really praised for having one of the best springs uh, of anybody, you know, on, on campus. He also mentioned uh, Tim Smith as a person uh, to, to be doing that. And then I think that, you know, you have some younger guys. You mentioned Jaheim Otis. You know, he's done some good things with his body to – kind of um you'll get into good playing shape you you look at guys like tim keenan i think he's in the same boat you know damon payne and quinn barnes they can play in the middle um so alabama has good depth from a, a nose guard perspective and they also you know the, the defensive end positions and it, it's a group again it's, it's deep um it has experience coming back in terms of, of first team minutes it has some good young reserves so it's in a good spot uh, from a defensive line perspective. I think they want to continue to get those young guys to, to make progress, though, namely, you know, Burroughs and some of these guys kind of keep it up over the course of the summer because they were some of the headliners of the spring in terms of um, 
you know, strong performances. But Stefan Wynn, he's a guy that you know, he's been in the program for a while. He's he's played um, you know, quite a bit as a reserve and, and now he's gonna, you know, look to finish his last year of eligibility somewhere where he can get some increased minutes. So again, he's a he's a guy that he'll be finds a good landing spot, but you know, Alabama's got some good depth at nose guard with him leaving. Yeah, and he is still at a position of value, so it wouldn't surprise me if Stefan Wynn landed at a power five or certainly a yeah. group of five that ranks among the best programs at that level. Still a lot of value uh, in a veteran guy like that uh, who has been a part of the nation's top program at Alabama. Now, we talk about big news, if not expected news, when it comes to the transfer portal. On the other side of all this, Tyler Harrell comes in from Louisville, the speedster from UL. That's good for the Alabama offense as a whole. I don't think anybody would argue that. But when you think about it in terms of its totality, you wonder, don't you, about how it's going to impact some of the existing guys in that room. And when you consider the potential for further attrition and needed attrition, really, as you outlined with the numbers, as you know them right now, uh, is that a connect the dots area that you look to for this football team where you might see a departure, perhaps? It could happen, yeah. I mean, Alabama has 12 receivers right now, given that you know Tyler Harrell and three of their signees will be coming in in the, the summer. Uh, you know, they finished the, the spring with, with eight guys on campus. Obviously, Ja'Cory Brooks didn't uh, do much because of injury. So seven guys participated in the 8A game. And it, it could be a spot where, you know, a guy looks elsewhere for playing time. And they've had... You know, two wide receivers into the portal already this offseason with Javon Baker doing so after the national championship game. He ended up at Kentucky and then, of course, a Jai Hall situation and going to Texas. So it could be uh, another spot just because Alabama's bringing in, you know, a couple of juniors uh, or a couple of experienced players that, you know, should be instant impact kind of guys. But I think some of these young guys, too, are going to have an opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, 12 is a pretty hefty number, but it's not anything to where, you know, some of these guys would look to, to move on some of the young, young guys. So I would, I would maybe look at some of the older players in the program, but again, I don't, I don't want to speculate on who will enter right. the portal. That's, that's not good for me or them, but I, I do think it's, it's worth mentioning that that, that could be an area to, to look for because, you know, adding two transfers while it is a position of need it can affect some of the younger players some of the guys that haven't played as much but it was obviously a position that Nick Saban and company felt they needed to address and I think they got better with adding Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell this offseason let's talk some hoops Javon Quinterly I think going into the matchup with Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament no one really was anticipating a potential return by Javon Quinterly for another season with the Crimson Tide, unfortunately for both he and head coach Nate Oates and that team in general, he goes down with the knee injury against the Irish. And then here in the last few days, we learn from Javon that he will in fact return for another year with the Crimson Tide. That being said, again, is it safe to say that the injury changed everything, Charlie, in all likelihood where his plans were concerned? I think so. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, going into that NCAA tournament game, um, I was counting Javon Quinterly as a, a departing player for this team. You know, he took part in Senior Day, 
uh, you know, he came up and spoke with us and he said all the right things in terms of a guy that looked to be, you know, leaving the program. And, um, I, I think the injury did change things. And now, you know, it's a situation where, you know, he likely won't be available until probably SEC play, kind of a James Rojas situation from last year. Uh, but, you know, he gives Alabama five returning players. You know, it's him, uh, Charles Bediaco, Noah Gurley, Darius Miles, and, and Namari Burnett, which Namari Burnett is essentially a new player for fans because, you know, we haven't seen him and, and you haven't, or he hasn't been able to, to do much on the court in terms of practice with the team. So, you have six incoming players. That's eleven. So this is easy math, and that means only have two spots, uh, you know, left to fill. Which you know, Nate Oates and, and his staff have been, you know, doing their due diligence and, and raking through the transfer portal market. But um, you know, I think anytime you get a guy like Javon Quinterly, who's experienced, who you know showed signs of being a strong leader down the stretch, you know, a lot was made about the voluntary workout you know, when they were out in California and, and it showed how locked in he was. I, I think that'll help him one in his recovery, but two, kind of be more of a leader, you know, coming back for one more year at Alabama and whenever he's able to get on the court, even when he's not, you know, going to practice and just speaking up, uh, I think it can be good for the roster. Cause it's going to be a, a completely new roster next year, uh, with so many new faces, uh, you know, coming in and, and contributing. So to have a guy like Javon Quinterly who knows the system and who was, you know, kind of turning the corner and, and going down the right street you know, toward the end of last season. I, I think that's a significant for Alabama. It'll be interesting to see when he can get back because they're going to have some pretty good guard play with Mark Sears coming in from Ohio and, and uh, Bradley coming in as a true freshman. They've got talent and they've got experience. But uh, you know, Javon Quinterly you know, has experience in this program, and he's proven to be a talented player, and, and getting him back is, is pretty big. Yeah, you look at it. And with Shackelford and Davison moving on, and even with the additions, and as you described it accurately in terms of Namari Burnett, because we haven't seen him, uh, we didn't see him in his first year with the program because of the injury, there still looks to be a need for a ball handler. And especially when you consider the possibility, God forbid, another injury or two at the position, and you get around to, say, January of next year and you're into sec play. And if that's when Quinterly really is able to sort of get back into the mix, uh, there's, there's value. There's, there's undoubted value uh, when you think about Quinterly and what he might be able to provide in another year and the transfer portal still out there, right. In terms of potential additions, I guess the Oregon state guard, Jared Lucas has been, I guess, linked to Alabama, Charlie. And as you said, it doesn't look like, you know, Alabama's totally done on that front. No, I think Natos would want to fill out a full roster, and you know that's with 13 players, for, so two spots are available. And uh, I think they'll look to go probably the wing route. You can never really have too many of those, and you know with so many guys you know leaving and and you know having a guy like Quinterly on the shelf for you know half the season, if not more, you know just to get you know guys on the wing that can score and, and play defense will be big. And you know Jared Lucas from from Oregon State, uh, you know he's a he's a proven player. He averaged double figures in terms of scoring, shot over 40% from the field last year. You know, not saying he's, you know, a slam dunk to Alabama, but you know, getting him in uh, for a visit you know, this week is, is significant, and we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I think that in the transfer portal uh, from a basketball perspective is the way that a lot of schools are going to round out their roster. And, and you know, Nate Edson company have done a solid job of that already with Mark Sears coming in. And I think they'll look to continue to, to fill out this, this roster and, and get two more guys on campus and, and signed and everything before the season starts. 
All right, we're talking filling spots, so let's shift back towards football and consider some opportunities where this 2022 edition of Nick Saban Alabama football is concerned. You've hit on some of this with your updates for us there at BOL as we transitioned out of spring football, and uh, but we'll get a few out here on the podcast, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, post spring practice, Charlie coming out of those. 15 workouts, the tackle position. Uh, did you get the sense when a day came to a close, we were any closer to figuring out both those spots left and right tackle than we were going into spring practice. And I'm going to assume that, you know, Tyler Steen coming in from Vanderbilt, obviously a big part of that equation as well. Yeah, I think it was, it was a little clear. Yeah. It's not, it's still murky. Um, you know, I've said all along this offensive line was going to be TBD during spring practice just because one, not even just the tackle spots, you had a couple starters in the interior out and you're going to be adding to that with, you know, what was expected at the time to be Tyler Cena and obviously came to fruition. So I, I think that you, you look at the offensive line and what we saw in the eight day game, and that was pretty much what we saw or heard about, um, you know, throughout the spring, it was Kendall Randolph at left tackle. You had Javian Cohen at left guard, a returning starter there. You had Seth McLaughlin at center. You had Emil Echior at right guard. Or not, I'm sorry, Emil Echior was out. So uh, you had Damian George at right guard, and then you had J.C. Latham at right tackle. And I think Latham did some good things. I, I think he would probably start you know, uh, fall practice at, at right tackle. That wouldn't shock me at all. I think he's in a, a good position, but obviously hasn't solidified himself there yet. Um, but I, I think, you know, you, we've seen the, the number maybe dwindle a little bit. I don't think anybody's completely out of the race. I want to you know say that first mm-hmm. and foremost, but I think Randolph, Latham, Kite are right there in the mix. Maybe you throw Tyler Booker in there. I don't know. Tommy Brockermeyer is still worth mentioning, but I think Latham, uh, Randolph Kite and then Tyler Steen will probably be your top four tackles going into to, uh, preseason camp. So I, I think the competition is still going to be ongoing. I, I think that you know, we'll, we might see you know that group you know, shift around quite a bit. You know, going into to um, game one, maybe even beyond. Who knows? But they're trying to find the five, the right five guys to to put on the field. And you know, the interior is in good shape with uh, Cohen and Ekior coming back. You have Dalcourt and Seth McLaughlin. I think Dalcourt, you know, when healthy, probably gets the nod there. Even though I've seen plenty of people on the message board disagree with that. You but, are absolutely wrong, Charlie. <laughs> but I, I think the tackle position is still the biggest question mark while it is a little bit clearer and you're adding Tyler Steen to that mix who's going to come in and compete for a starting job um yeah it's it's still undecided I think there's at least four players in the mix I would give the edge to those four but I I don't think you can close the door on anybody else and that's going to be really fascinating to see how it plays out this fall because Alabama's got talent obviously at the quarterback position with Bryce Young coming back and at the running back position, but you want to give those guys time to make plays. And if the offensive line can't do that, um, you know, that'll be problematic. I will say though, any offensive line would have struggled in that eight, day game because Alabama's defensive line is just <laughs> on another level. They're also a little bit with their hand tied behind their back. Cause they're not doing anything from a tight end or chip block perspective to help those tackles out. And then mm-hmm. the quarterbacks are in black Jersey. So all they got to do is tag them. That being said, the defensive front was very impressive and the offensive line still has work to do. But 
I think it's a little clearer, but still, it, it's one of those groups that we're gonna, you know, see it probably change quite a bit going into preseason camp. Yeah, and here's the thing: you gave up 41 sacks with Evan Neal last yeah. year. That's what's scary. That's the scariest thing of all this to me. In sort of working on the even the uh, the quarterbacks piece I did here for BOL in the last week or so, you know, that's just a stunning number. Because, you know, there have been years where a Nick Saban offense at Alabama hasn't given up 20, let alone 41. I mean, that's easily a Saban era high. And so, absolutely, offensive tackle. I think you used a perfect adjective, by the way. Murky. I like that one. I think it is uh, definitely murky. And I agree with your candidates that I don't think you can discount. I don't think you can discount Tyler Booker. And... You know, watching him back in December and kind of reviewing his tape, I didn't really like him as a tackle at this level. But it may be that he's the best option. It may be that I know they don't want to mess with that interior because they've got it back in whole. But, you know, you still may have to cross train a guy out there. Who knows? Um, It's going to be, no doubt, going into fall camp. It's going to be the topic of discussion for the Alabama offense and also tight end. As an extension of that, I guess, Charlie, I mean, Robbie Oots did some good things this spring. You know that you got Cameron Latou back, but I guess there have been rumblings, too, that if Alabama goes back into the transfer portal, it could be for a guy at that spot. Yeah, and I think, say, Tyler Steen wins a left tackle job and, and J.C. Latham holds on to right tackle. You get a guy in Kendall Randolph who can play that position again and, yeah. and add some beef up front. That's the silver lining in some of this. But you're right. It's it's a thin group. Uh, it's very inexperienced. But beyond Cameron Latou, and uh, you know Cam Latou still you know just on what now his third year at tight end. Uh, you know coming over from outside linebacker. So you know that's he's not just a guy that spent his entire career working in, at tight end. So I think he'll get a little better and get a little bit more confident and, and hopefully the drops um, you know aren't an issue for him. But yeah, Robbie Utes had a good spring. You know Jamil Burrows is probably most improved or most productive on defense and Robbie Utes is in that same vein on, on offense. Nick Saban had a lot of good things to say about him, but then beyond those two, it's just true freshmen. So yeah, if, if Alabama is to go back to the portal, I think tight end makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Nick Saban's not just going to go out and, and get anybody, but uh, if there's a guy out there that they feel good about, then, you know, I think they'll certainly, you'll kick the tires on that and, and see how it goes because they don't have, just a ton of proven experience there. I think they're they're interested to see what a guy like Amari Nyblack brings to the table from a receiving standpoint. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that they're going to need some some beef up front and and hopefully um, you know some of these young guys continue to develop. And Cam too at tight end is kind of like Christian Harris was at linebacker. You know, you were going to have to live with some things with Christian Harris in making that full time adaptation to inside linebacker from the high school ranks. Cam Latou has gone through some of those so, same transitional pains, but uh, yeah, death at tight end, something that Charlie and the rest of us will keep an eye on moving forward. Defensively corner and weak side linebacker drew a lot of the attention uh, in the spring. Charlie, what was your sort of 10,000 foot view of those two spots and the ongoing competitions that you're going to have at both those positions? Yeah, like you said, I think the competition is ongoing, but I think it's good competition. It's not one where they're just stressed about 
you know, finding uh, a guy to fill that spot and do it well. I think they have multiple options at both spots. I think, you know, clearly you have Henry Toa Toa coming back and, and Jalen Moody uh, came back for a super senior year, came out of the transfer portal after a, brin- a brief stint in there and uh, has, you know, played well. I think, you know, I, I had him as, as someone that helped themselves this spring. I did kind of a player at each position that helped themselves. And the reason that I included him is because he didn't, you know, lose his job. He didn't do anything to, you know, warrant uh, Deontay Lawson to even get first team reps in the spring game. I think Lawson's right there. I think he's going to continue to push him. I think at times this spring they were neck and neck in that competition. Uh, but, you know, Jalen Moody uh, playing alongside Henry Toa Toa, that gives you two seniors in the middle of the defense. We've talked about it in the past where, you know, from a defensive line inside linebacker safety perspective, Alabama could have seniors at every spot there, just an experienced middle of the defense. And I think that'd be beneficial. And I think Jalen Moody is, you know, improved. Um, he's he's progressed in the program. He's learned uh, the defense, you know, well enough. And I, I think he's a guy that, if he can continue to keep it up, they can hold on to that spot. But I think Deontay Lawson and really some of the other linebackers too will continue to push him there. And then at corner, you know, Nick Saban essentially said they have three guys uh, competing for the, that uh, those two spots. So you have Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kyrie Jackson, who we saw with the first team defense on 8A, and then uh, Eli Ricks, the LSU transfer. And I know some people are wondering, like, well, how is Eli Ricks not already ahead of, of Kyrie Jackson or one of the others? And well, he entered or he came into Alabama coming off an injury. He had to gain weight back. He spent a lot of the spring in a black jersey. I thought it was really uh, encouraging that he was in Crimson or wait, yes, he was in Crimson in the A Day game uh, and not a black no contact jersey. And he was able to, to move around with no limitations. And so I think that's a sign of his continued progress coming back from that injury. And uh, I think, you know, Cooley McKinstry has the most first team experience. I kind of pencil him in as a starter. So I think the competition is kind of between Kyrie Jackson and uh, Eli Ricks. And when you say that, that's, that's a good problem to have. If you're Alabama, um, you know, they have both starters coming back at safety. You have, you know, Malachi Moore and Brian branch in the slot and to have three quality options at, at corner and really four with Terry and Arnold, a promising young player, you got to feel good about the depth there. So competitions ongoing at both spots, but Alabama has some solid young players that are pushing some of the, the returning veterans. And I think whoever ends up winning those starting jobs are going to be in good shape. Yeah. Healthy competition at both those spots, weak side linebacker and corner. And man, when you combine the candidates at corner with the sub package, defensive guys at star and money, and then the safety positions, I don't view Alabama being in a bad spot at all at corner and really at weak side linebacker either, because I think Jalen Moody can, give you more than than you need at that position if it comes down to it but there's also some budding stars to consider including Deontay Lawson at that position as well I think Deontay's by the way going to be able to step in at the mic in a year's time if if that's what it is needed I think he's a guy that can can run the show there in the middle of the defense hey let's get into some NFL draft talk here as we wrap up a Wednesday edition of the Bama Online Podcast, Charlie Potter joining us on this afternoon. Um, man, it just seems like the closer we get to Thursday night's first round of the 2022 NFL Draft, Charlie, there's more and more smoke. And it added some as we were actually recording this podcast because 
the team with the number one overall selection, the Orlando Magic of the <laughs> NFL, my Jacksonville Jaguars, your Orlando Magic, we're getting word that the Jags have gone ahead, speaking of Alabama news, and signed Cam Robinson, the left tackle for the Jags, previously of UA, to an extension. So he had previously been franchised. Now he gets an extension. And certainly that makes you wonder about the direction that the Jags may go there at number one overall on Thursday night. But for Evan Neal in general, it just seems like the last four or five days, Charlie, there have been rumors about his health and you know, things like that. And man, it just seems like from the number one spot to down near 10, just in the last week, when you think things are going to start to calm down a little bit, it seems like for Evan, they've ramped up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been weird. And, and honestly, it's not uncommon for this stuff to happen around this time of year. Um, whether it's from, you know, other agents or teams looking to, to take a player, um, so I, I, I kind of feel like it is a smoke screen because you've seen his camp, um, you know, they've, they've talked quite a bit, you know, going into the draft, uh, Duke Manyweather, who's kind of his personal online coach has really debunked these, uh, rumors, uh, said there, there was no medical recheck at the combine, um, you know, which is, would have been the first, uh, kind of red flag in terms of your know, things going on with Evan Neal. And so, and, and he's a guy that he only missed one game in his career. And that was the 2020 season because of COVID. Uh, he started every game. Uh, other than that, I don't think he had any kind of issues in, in high school. So I lean more towards it just being a rumor and maybe someone hoping that one, Evan falls to them or two, um, you know, their client, you know, gets drafted ahead of Neil, who knows? Um, you know, it's a, it's a crazy business, but I, I think regardless, Evan Neal's one of those guys, you know, going into this draft, that he's one of those can't-miss prospects. You know, he's played three different positions in Alabama's offensive line and played well at all three. He was an All-American last year. Um, never had any kind of issues from an off-the-field perspective. Stepped into a, a leadership role this past season. And then I think he makes whatever team drafts him better. And, you know, I, it's good news for Cam Robinson because this is his second year in a row that he signed a franchise tag. And for him to get a, a, a more long-term deal is always beneficial for the player. And um, that being said, I don't think it, it would be nuts for uh, the Jaguars to just that mean they're not going to take an offensive lineman to protect Trevor Lawrence it makes too much. They sense. still and, should. Yeah, they still should go OL because they were going to have Cam regardless right. for the upcoming season. And so they still need an offensive lineman. They put him on the right side for a couple of three exactly. years and then let Cam play out his new deal. And then you can move Evan over to the left side. And if you think you're okay at right tackle, play Evan inside. They still need help <laughs> up front on that offensive line. Sure. It's just, it, it does. It, it makes, it makes too much sense. And, and you look at the, the mock drafts and he has kind of, you know, dipped a little bit one of the popular landing spots was number five to the, the New York giants. I know they have who Andrew Thomas at the left tackle spot who kind of came yep. on late last season. So, you know, Evan can step in at, at right tackle and it can certainly, you know, help them out. Um, you know, help out Brian Dable in his first year as head coach and, you know, protect Daniel Jones at quarterback and you know, block for Saquon Barkley. So we'll see. I, I don't think, I mean, if Evan Neal falls out of the first round, then there has to be either one, something seriously wrong or two, just a bunch of really dumbass GMs. Uh, <laughs> it's possible, especially <laughs> with, yeah. for my team. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that, 
you know, if, with Evan, heck, it might be a blessing he doesn't end up in Jacksonville. I see the potential for a Trendon Wirfs type player in Evan Neal wherever he goes, or Tristan Wirfs, excuse me. Um, and so, you know, look, you don't have to take him, but uh, I think wherever he goes, as you said, you're getting an instant starter and a guy who's uh, going to help upgrade any offensive line that he joins here in the very near future. What about Jamison Williams? Uh, conversely, it seems like, at least what I've been able to keep up with, seems like Jamison's trending in a pretty pretty positive direction here late. Yeah, I mean, the talk now is kind of the talk of before the injury of where he could be the first receiver you know, taken. And I, I think really the the upward trend has been for both wide receivers from Alabama. I think the, the recoveries are going well for both Jamison Williams and John Mechie. That's great news. Um, you know, John Mechie is a guy that, you know, people have been mentioning could be ready for the season. Uh, maybe even training camp. And I think that's the target for both players, you know, ACL injuries. It's just, it's so different now. And the turnaround is, is quick. You know, there's no you know, long lasting effects or anything like that. And these guys are back on the field and, and doing drills and, and taping them and sending them to teams, uh, on a regular basis, Jameson Williams being the latest of that. So I think, it, it wouldn't shock me to see James Williams be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, you know, but I, I think he's not going to have to wait very long. I think, you know, this is a very deep uh, draft for wide receivers, but I think a lot of them are going to fly off the board pretty early. Uh, so I, I think that the Jameson Williams is, is certainly turning in the right direction. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think a team like, um, if the Eagles would be intriguing. I think really, um, you know, the Eagles or the Patriots, both of those former Alabama quarterbacks need help at the receiver position. And uh, I think Mac Jones and Jalen would be very happy to get, you know, J-Mo on the field and to, to be able to, you know, you know, throw bombs to him. It, it's kind of a shame because, you know, the Chiefs made too much sense with Tyreek Hill, um, you know, going to the Dolphins. I don't know if he'll even last that long now. Just think of Patrick Mahomes dialing up bombs for, for Jameis Williams would be a lot of fun to watch. But regardless, I think, I think Jamison will be uh, a guy that doesn't very last very long there in the first round come Thursday. I have absolutely zero intel on this, okay? But I would watch the Packers, and I understand the Packers aren't in a position probably right now where they're going to pick to be able to acquire Jamison Williams, but somehow, some way, I just think of Jamison Williams as a Devontae Adams type for. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers uh, in that offense. I don't know. It's just a flyer I'm throwing out there, but it is, it's a solid, it's a really good group of wide receivers this year. Doesn't appear to be maybe a Jamar chase, you know, at the top of that list, but there's going to be a lot of value in those second, third rounds, especially with a guy like John Mechie that we expect to be around uh, after the opening round. And so with that, I ask you, Charlie surprises from that next group, the Christian Harris, John Mechie, Mathis, Brian Robinson, Jalen Armour Davis, Chris Allen, Josh Job. Do you anticipate who would be your pick or two if you were going to say one way or the other? Goes earlier, goes later than maybe what we're anticipating where that next wave of Alabama players is concerned. Yeah, I think my number three player would be Christian Harris. You know, he did a lot of good stuff for himself at the combine, you know, running a four four. Um, really showed his speed and um, I think you know he continues just to get more and more comfortable with that linebacker position he played his best ball down the stretch of this past season and um, yeah, I think that he's going to be a guy that 
you'll be the first guy off the board maybe in the second round. Um, I think he, John Mechie, Fidarian Mathis are all kind of in that second round window. They might, you know, drop to, to round three. You never know how the draft is going to play out. But I think Christian Harris would be next up for me. And he has been for a while now. Um, I think if John Mechie was healthy and he might be, uh, in that discussion. And again, I think John Mechie is kind of trending in the right direction in terms of his recovery. But, uh, I think Christian Harris, um, you know, being kind of the what, second, third, maybe fourth best inside linebacker. Uh, on the board I, I think he won't have to wait very long but you know, looking at some of these mock drafts I was really surprised to see where you know teams or not more teams where these these riders had Brian Robinson you know I was seeing um, you know 175 uh, in the 200s things like that and I was just like I know the running back position is is kind of been devalued a little bit and you don't really see you know running backs going the first round and they kind of drop down to the draft but you know, there aren't 200 players in this draft better than Brian Robinson. And so he might be a guy that, that is drafted later, but it's through no fault of his own. I think he's going to have a solid pro career and you know, he would be a guy that, um, I would take a little higher. Uh, I think when I was looking, CBS had a couple mock drafts. One had him at 206. These are both seven round drafts. And then one had him at 101. So that's quite the disparity. Uh, I think I would yeah. probably put him somewhere in the middle there, and I, I think that you know, he can certainly help a team. But I, I think Alabama is going to end up with at least nine players drafted. I think Slade Bolden maybe is the um, you know, the difference maker in terms of getting to ten or not. You know, maybe the New England Patriots have a, a seventh round pick, and and they run to the podium and, and uh, get Slade Bolden to team back up with Mac Jones. But I think it's going to be once again a, a busy three days in terms of Alabama players coming off the board. I think what helps a lot of those guys that we've talked about that are looking at maybe day three is that they can play special teams, right? Yeah. yeah Brian yeah. Robinson can be a special teamer. Jalen Armour Davis certainly can be a special teamer. Slade Bolden, if needed, uh, certainly filled that role at Alabama. Josh Job, um, Mechie, depending on maybe where he goes. So uh, a lot of special team potential with this Alabama group. And really, it's going to be a draft that – it should captivate Alabama fans all three days, right? Because really, when you look at the potential layout from the UA perspective, you're thinking each of the three days you're going to hear Alabama players called. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think Neil and, and Jamison will be the only two uh, first-round picks, so that's day one. Day two, you look at Christian Harris, um, John Mechie, Fidarian Mathis, maybe a Jalen Armour Davis. It was three or four on, on day two, and then day three – if Armour Davis isn't called, then you know he and Josh Job should hear their name called uh, in rounds four through seven. You've got Brian Robinson, you've got Chris Allen. Uh, so yeah, it, it should be a, a pretty a pretty busy uh, weekend. What then, if Alabama has a player taken in every round? That would just sort of round out this Nick Saban era of, of NFL draft picks. You know, one through seven, just have guys go in every round of the I, draft. It, it's not. Sure. It's not, man. I mean, it's in play. It's it, it. We ought to do a drinking game based on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, – you would – Every would round watch. in a row that Alabama has a player taken this weekend, drink. Well, at least you could spread it out over three days. Uh, that, that might be might be quite a quite a bender, though, Charlie. That's, that's true. But, it, it you know, this is <laughs> the the weekend where uh, it's busy in terms of coverage. you got to – literally stay glued to the TV for three days. And uh, that's not always uh, that much. Yeah. But it's Alabama has what seems like endless 
recruiting ammunition, but this is the biggest weekend. You know, I know NIL is the topic of discussion yeah. in college football, but NFL. This is the is, NFL collective yeah. for Alabama, yeah. This is where the, the real money is made, and there's going to be a lot of guys get paid this weekend. A lot of records, more records expected to fall, uh, or at least be uh, tied when you consider the 14 straight years, I guess, with a first-round pick, which unquestionably, undoubtedly, will be broken in a year's time, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama Absolutely. and Miami in that uh, in that deadlock. But as you said, there's going to be other stuff going on, too. Alabama softball with a rare weekend off before wrapping up SEC play in a week's time against Missouri. But you are going to have Alabama baseball in an important series traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks. So a lot of stuff between the NFL draft, ongoing post-spring practice talk. It's still still very much transfer portal season, although is it really a season anymore? Is there a season? It's just daily, isn't it, the transfer portal? It feels like it. Well, I mean, yeah. we do have the, the, the May 1st deadline coming up, so that's at least a yeah. for for Freeze maybe a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I did want to ask, because we're wrapping up here, you being a Jags fan, we've <laughs> talked about Evan Neal. Who do you want the Jags to take number one overall, and who do you think they'll take number one overall? I want them to take an offensive lineman. And I, I obviously, I think Evan, I know Evan. I know his game anyway. I don't personally know Evan, but – I know what he brings to the table, and I know they need help, whether it's right tackle, guard. They need help. They still need help. Um, I think they're going to take Trayvon Walker from Georgia, number one overall. And Trayvon Walker is going to have maybe two sacks next season, and the fan base is going to lose their collective shit. <laughs> Will you be among them? <laughs> you know, not really. I'm I'm kind of desensitized. <laughs> At this point, Charlie, I, I they they can't hurt me. They can't hurt me anymore. That's I'm a good just, spot to be in. Yeah, kind of like you and the Magic. You know, yeah. like I said earlier, you know, you just anything that's positive is you know you just take it and run with it. But I, I want them to take even if it was Equanu from uh, NC State, whatever. I just want another guy up front, not only for Trevor Lawrence, but for some semblance of a run game, which would help Trevor Lawrence. And that defense, but uh, just a little bit I can gather and sort of just understanding the situation. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna take. They're gonna go defense, and I think if it is, it's gonna be Walker instead of Hutchinson. So, for what it's worth, right? Take it with a grain of salt, as they say on the roundtable, which is where you ought to hang out with us at BamaOnline.com, the premium message board of choice for Crimson Tide fans. Charlie, man, always enjoy it. Always fun chopping it up with Charlie here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast as of yet, you should do that right now. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it as well. Hey, Charlie, thanks again. Enjoy what you can of the upcoming weekend. <laughs> I'll try. It, it's always fun to keep up with this. It is. And, uh, you know, it's it's a the time of year where this is kind of the the last ship out of the harbor then you have the off season for a couple months so i'll try to enjoy it and it's always good to catch up with you Travis. i always enjoy it and for more of charlie tim watts hank south kirk mcnair and myself get to bamaonline.com again hang out with us at the round table the premium message board there 
at B-O-L. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.